All right, now welcome back for episode three. We're still working on everything and we're still gonna go through a lot more in-depth information about episode one and episode two on other variables and other things that we need to discuss in order to have more information for our patients. And of course, so that we can have more feedback and that we can start a discussion between what could be best for everybody. Now on this episode, we really wanna talk about, about post-op care. At this point, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what decision you made. You could be listening from this at your hotel. You could be listening to this while you're at home. You could be listening to this even at a recovery house. It doesn't matter. What we want to talk about is what you need to do post-op and what you need to take care for and what you need to do in order to keep yourself clean, in order to keep yourself to have the least amount of... Um, you know, complications that could occur after surgery. So it's going to be very simple. Um, this episode is going to be a little shorter, so let's get right on that. Now, this care for post-op is going to be very different for a procedure as simple as what could be a chin lipo, a vasectomy, um, and things like that that are fairly simple and easy to take care for than it would be for a patient that is getting a mommy makeover with thigh lift and arm lift and chin lipo and other things. So you, we got a wide spectrum of things that are going to be um, taken care of. So most of the patients, statistically speaking, come over for rhinoplasties, they come over for liposculptures, they come over for um, tummy tucks, and a lot of times, of course, they come for mommy makeovers, breast lifts, breast augmentations, and usually uh, bigger procedures. So getting right on that, something that is very important is to look for your doctor's instructions. Now, if something that is very important, don't let anybody overstep on your doctor's instructions. It's his responsibility to give you the best treatment, the best care, and if you decide not to follow the instructions, then we cannot relay this responsibility on him. If you, or her, sorry, if you are a person that has some um, indications from the doctor and you decide to ignore them, then the end result could possibly not be as good or as desirable as the one if you were to follow the instructions. So that is very important. Look for your post-op care sheet, or if you can have that send to you ahead of time, what are you gonna be having to take care of, what you can and you cannot eat, what you can and cannot do, and then from there you can see whether you can go back to work, uh, when you can drive, um, what you can eat and cannot eat, and of course, what restrictions and the recommendations the doctors are giving. So that's very, very important because a lot of patients want something to happen, but maybe your doctor is either against it or your doctor is not encouraging you to do that. Now, I've had patients touch their wounds directly with their hands without washing them or without, you know, taking care of that area first. So that for starters is no-go, okay? So that's something that we can see that has happened. Now, that, those are simple things that most people know not to do. But let's get a little bit more in depth about things that are 
sometimes up for the pain. Now, if you go on the Facebook groups, you'll find a lot of patients that will tell you one thing and others that tell you other. There are doctors that like to keep their ways some way because they've seen it gives them the best result. So, um, depending on the ingredients that you buy, it's depending on the things and the way that you're going to cook your food. So, it's the same thing. Depending on the patient and depending on what he's doing in the OR, the instructions or the indication that he's going to give you for your post-op care. So, patients, uh, for example, I've had doctors that they say the brown tape um, that goes over the scar, which a lot of patients already know, for the tummy tuck must stay in there for at least a week. No changing it, no putting a different one in, not taking it off and putting it on a new one or cleaning it and drying it or anything like that. The same one that got out of surgery is the same one that's going to stay in you for the next seven days. So for a lot of patients, they might, you know, frown upon that and say, hey, I want the wounds clean every day. I want to see how they're doing and I want to see what they're doing. But you got to follow the doctor's instructions. At this point, I cannot tell you which doctor would be right and which one is not right because both of them obviously are satisfactory come together and each one of them has their good results on different techniques. So be sure to look into what your doctor is saying, whether he wants you to clean it up or he wants you to just keep it covered or he wants you to spray antibacterial spray on it or he doesn't want you to spray anything on it. So that's very important for your post-op care is being able to do and follow instructions that are given by the doctor. Now, this is something that is very important because a lot of patients have different versions from different patients that go to different doctors. Another example is I've had, uh, I've worked with uh, patients that come from doctors that say not to shower within the first three days. Now, of course, for a lot of patients, they even leave the clinic uh, after a shower. So the, the version of each one of them having what they do is very different. So be sure to see where that order is coming from and to make sure that whether it's coming from the surgeon or it's just somebody that doesn't want to do their job, for example. So that is very important at the end of the day in your recovery is being able to identify and follow this instruction. Now, I've seen a lot of comments. I've seen a lot of things. From patients where they say hey this nurse didn't look at my wound or this nurse didn't uh, wash it or this nurse didn't scrub it or this nurse there are things that we already know we can't do um, scrubbing for once is something we cannot do and I've never worked with a doctor that says scrub your wound um, I've never worked with a doctor that says you know you know scratch over your wound um, it's mostly about you know washing it with hand neutral soap things like that is what we've seen works best so these little things can play a huge difference in patients that i've had and that i've seen that what they do is you go ahead and wash as if they were pre-op and they want to scrub down the scabs that they got in their stomach and they want to wash down all the incisions because they want to take the scabs away and it, it doesn't work it's not that it's not how it's supposed to go you got to do it with the tips of your fingers and you got to do it in surround motion. You got to clean it with a neutral soap. So it's very important to know what things are allowed and what other things are not allowed. Now, something as far as showering that we're talking about now. A lot of patients want to shower daily 
because they feel a lot of liquids coming out from their incisions, whether it be a tummy tug or whether it be a lipo or other procedures that can get or can tend to that. Um, patients want to have a shower and it's fine. But the thing that I've seen from all these years working plastic surgery is if you wait up on showering at least one or two days, or if your doctor says longer than longer, you have less probability of passing out, of fainting, of feeling like you're, you know, um, lucid because temperature changes change the blood pressure and that can cause you to pass out. Very quick example, after any of these procedures, since they took blood out, water out, fat out, your blood pressure lowers. If you go into a hot shower, for example, it will have an effect of uh, di dilute or um, what it would be, your blood vessels are gonna get bigger, just to say it uh, as a regular word. What that means is there's gonna be less pressure exerted on the veins, and what's gonna happen is your blood pressure is gonna drop. If your blood pressure drops low enough, you can pass out, you can faint, and you can fall in your shower. I've had this happen to a lot of patients before. We've told them not to shower with hot water, but they're hot water showers, and it's fine. I myself am one, so it's very difficult not to shower with the hot water. And they have, and they've called paramedics. I've had a mother call me once and say, hey, my daughter just died in the restroom, and it's the clinic's fault, and the doctor fault, and all that. And five minutes later, seven minutes later, you're like, okay, yeah, she's fine. She's passed out. She got a hot shower. Patient calls us up too. She says she's sorry because she forgot it couldn't be hot. So that's another option, another um, recommendation that I would make. Whether you're a recovery house, hotel, or Airbnb, or your home, try to avoid showers the first couple of days unless indicated by your doctor. And if possible, try to shower with as cold of water as possible. Um, cold water tends to do constriction of the blood vessels and that can increase a little bit of your blood flow and increase the pressure just enough so you won't pass out. Now, other things that are very important for your post-op care is food. As we discussed earlier, food is a big part, an essential part on how your body's going to handle and how it's going to take the post-op care. Now, will you be hungry? More than likely, yes. Will you be very hungry? More than likely, yes. Um, your body is going to start working overtime. Your body is going to start working at a rate that you're not used to. So your body is more than likely going to be asking for nu more nutrition and more things to come into your body and that they're going to come in from healthy food. What is healthy food? Protein, carbohydrate, fats, and a good and balanced way. Now, for a lot of these patients, and with this might include you as well, is you got to make sure that you're uh, taking foods or you're eating foods that have a high iron content in order to prevent um, any anemia that could occur during surgery to be something that would stay on set for a few more weeks or a few more months. So the more iron to replenish the hemoglobin that you lost, the better. The more carbohydrates, the more protein, the more fat that you can intake on a healthy note, the better it is for the overall, for example, survival of the fat of the BBL, 
the overall aesthetic result of the the procedure and also the overall well-being that you're gonna feel so this is something that i cannot urge you enough to be taken care of now i think it's easier to say what i would say no to at 100 and what things i could recommend as a good tips for being able to eat after surgery now one of the things that i'm gonna say no to in a big no is gonna be food that is from the streets especially if you're in mexico a lot of times this food can tend to be not the cleanest of them all doesn't mean it's dirty but it means that the fat could have gotten something the the meat could have picked up something and especially you don't want to be eating not clean food that are like tacos or hot dogs or anything like that that are on the streets so that is something that is very very important now what else will i say no to food that is known to give you already stomach problems to give you diarrhea to give you vomiting because if you're taking something that has happened to you before let's say you're lactose intolerant and after surgery you're you're filling a glass of milk and you just had lipo and you drink that glass of milk, your lactose intolerance kicks in and you start having you know, gases and diarrhea, it's easier for you to dehydrate than it would be if you were to take a glass of water or electrolytes. So it's very important for you to stay away from foods and for things that you already know could cause a problem once you eat them. So that is very important. Other things that I am going to recommend no to, and I don't think they're bad, and I would eat it on a regular basis, but things like Chinese food that we know manage a lot of um, fish and manage a lot of things that can come or that can cause uh, certain digestive problems. And I include their um, actual fish, you know, going for fish taco or shrimp taco because uh, they can be or they can tend to be um, backstabbers they can uh, look good taste great but inside of that it could have gone uh, bacteria food poisoning or anything like that that could cause uh, diarrhea or vomiting so it's very very important that you always try to keep the food that could be as healthy as possible and uh, to stay with something that you've had before Um, something that you're used to, so your stomach doesn't get upset. It's very important to keep liquids in, not out of your system. Now, on that note, it's something that I want to tell every patient that is coming to Mexico. Hopefully, um, this gets enough audience that everybody that comes to Mexico can read it, can hear it, or can know about it. And it's remember that the food that comes from the States is very different than the food that we make here in TJ. Um, I've had recently patients tell me that they got offered French toast and they were brought um, a piece of bread that just wasn't toaster. Now, um, for us that have lived in the United States, we know what it actually means for certain foods. But a lot of times here in TJ, there is stuff that we still don't know that is within the American culture. So um, if there's something that you didn't like or at a hotel, again, recovery house or B&B, or even at the hospital that you didn't like, you didn't feel comfortable with, or it wasn't what you expected, that you let us know. You have to let us know so that we can work on it because the only one that's gonna know more about your culture is gonna be you. So we can um, do upgrades and we can do modifications on the food that is from the United States rather than we doing it on 
you know food that is coming from our side of the border so i always try to look for a recommendation from patients like hey this is nowhere near close what we make in the states or hey you know what this is even better than we make it back home so all of that factors in into your uh, overall experience and also whenever another patient comes in that um, recommendation or that feedback is well going to be played out for them so it's very important when you don't like food you let everybody know so that they can start doing something about it now as far as your post-op care what do you need and what don't you need um if you are coming from the states which most of you are i will recommend not to bring medical supplies from the states now it might seem counterproductive or it might seem uh countersaying but all the materials that you can get in the states you can get them in mexico for a cheaper price so what i would think is travel as light as possible in a big bag so you can take back some medical supplies for you take take for you to take care of when you're home uh, that could be anywhere from big diapers to gauzes to sprays to anything that you might need or that you might think that you might not have back at home so if you bring in uh, materials that are from the states i can guarantee you they're going to be way um, more expensive than in mexico so now getting down to the list of materials that will be needed at some point during your recovery um, again we're talking about procedures that are mostly big or that are on the abdominal area again lipo tummy tuck mommy makeover etc you're more than likely going to be needing clinical diapers these diapers are obviously clinical i've had patients that bring over the blue ones and then they bring out the box of the you know dog owned owners or dog diapers that's not going to work you want to have clinical diapers that are you know for clinical patients or that are for patients not for animals other things that you're going to need are more than likely going to be bandages Um, there are times where your faja might get messed up, so you could buy another faja, or a lot of recovery houses can, or nurses can, you know, fold you up, have you wrapped up back again while your faja is being washed. So these things are very important. Other things are gauzes and abdominal pads. The abdominal pads is something that in Mexico is not that commonly used. So that would be something that you might think about either bringing in or having at home. And gauzes. So everything else except for the abdominal pads, you can get here in Mexico for a way cheaper value. Um, I'm going to try to post that up in our Facebook or our Instagram so you can see the price difference between the states and Mexico. And that you know that you don't have to bring the medical surprise. You can buy it here. Try to talk to your transportation or try to talk to... Uh, you drive from the recovery house, try to talk to somebody uh, from the hotel so that they can take you to a nearby pharmacy that can supply all these medical supplies that you need um, for your care and for your aftercare. So this is something that's going to be very important too. Now, other things to factor in, always bring, um, and these are things that I would recommend bring from the States, is stuff that we don't have in Mexico or that we're not used to having. 
that could be snacks that could be drinks that could be certain electrolyte waters that could be certain things that here in mexico we're not used to using so i would uh, urge you to go into what you want to have and that you google that down and see if you can find it in mexico if you can't see if you can find it or not that you send me a question hey you know i want to eat this type of chips i want to eat this type of uh, uh i don't know um protein shakes or whatnot or my companion wants these types of food you think we can find it in tj yes or no and that way you can have a more thorough vision of what you can get and what you cannot get from tj or from mexico now the last thing that i would say you should bring and that this is very important is personal items um i've had patients come from clinics and i've had patients come to our clinic and our recovery house different things that are missing toothbrushes that they're missing um hair brushes they're missing different things like deodorants and uh shavers or blades and at that point um there are things that different places supply because they are a common use but not that personal so be sure to bring things that are very personal to you and that you feel that they must be brought uh, so you can take care of yourself too one more thing that a lot of clinics give and props to them because not all of them do it yet is yps yps sometimes are provided by recovery houses or hotels and there are times that they're not and a lot of patients use it in mexico our whole idea of going to the restroom is very different than the united states so i learned that the hard way in the united states and i'm gonna let you in on a little um experience but um in mexico not a lot of people are used to using wipes for recreational purposes on the restroom um they only use toilet paper so if you're one of the patients that likes to use wipes then that you can bring it or have somebody buy them or that you let know your recovery house hotel or bnb that you're going to need some so they can have it ready for you so it's just a thought now other things that i can tell you that are a little different culture from the united states to tijuana and that i want to let you in before we go is uh the going to the restaurant is very different too in the united states um as i've seen more than 95 of people go to the restroom and dump everything on the restroom or the toilet and they flush here in mexico our water system is different so we throw usually the papers to the trash can we throw um, anything that comes from the trash from the restroom into a trash can we don't throw it into the toilet and then that trash can is gets taken out by um you know the people that do the cleaning and it takes get taken away by the trash that's very different from the states but it's something just to keep in mind uh in case you see uh, more trash cans than the usual in the, in the restroom or um you might see some signs that say please don't dump things in the restroom toilet, okay now that is it for right now uh again just a very few tips we're going very basic on what to do and what not to do a lot of these things a lot of more experienced patients already know a lot of the newcomers or the first timers might not know so we're gonna have to still be asking for your input for your feedback for your questions so we can build building a podcast that can be more robust and that can have more information for everybody 
including patients, including myself, and even some clinics that can hear a little bit, a little bit of the feedback that the patients are giving, and that they can have more insight as to what you guys want. So I appreciate you all for your timing. Uh, we're still gonna be here for any questions. We might be getting one more episode in today, and after that, we want to get it a little regular as we build up more feedback from patients. So thank you very much for everything. I hope that we're delivering a message that is worth your time. And if not, also you let us know. So thank you very much. This is Dr. Adrian again, and I'll be seeing you next time. Have a wonderful day.